Now, isn't this classic? We just hear our Lord say, all he's going to endure, going down to Jerusalem, handed over the chief priests, condemned to death, handed over to the Gentiles, mocked and scourged and crucified. And all of a sudden, here comes the mom saying, um, what can you do for my kids? <laughs> it's, it's her human nature, right? A mom looking out for her kids, even though Jesus just gets done telling us something. Now, it's interesting because who was the first apostle? Now, if you read the Gospel of John and Matthew, the first apostle was who? Andrew. But in the Gospel of Luke, the first apostles were James and John. He called them while they were fishing. Now, it's funny because prior to us both coming to the Marian Fathers, Brother Mark was an architect down in Florida, and I was an engineer in the auto industry in Detroit. We were both fishermen. We both loved to fish. And so the classic call of Jesus saying, I will make you fishers of men, not fishers of fish. But the only few days off we get a year, we're still fishers of fish, because that's a little break that we try to get. But this is who James and John were. Now, here's the thing in the lesson, I think, it's in this gospel. One of the worst things for us to do is if all our prayers were answered the way we wanted. It's one of the worst things that could happen to us. Me, I wouldn't be a priest because I prayed to have the perfect spouse. So we, we got to be careful what we pray for. What would have happened if Jesus would have given these two exactly what they asked for? to be on his right and his left as he entered the kingdom of God. What would that have meant? That means that would have been on, they would have been on his right and left as the thief, the good thief, and the bad thief. That means they would have been crucified next to him because they asked to be on his right and his left as he entered into the kingdom of God. Now all of a sudden, they're asking through the mom, let them be on your right and on your left. They didn't know what they were asking because that would have meant they would have been nailed to that cross as the two thieves were next to Jesus. That would have been James and John. So if Jesus would have said, well, you know what? I have to answer every single prayer in the way that you want, even though all prayers are answered, but if Jesus had to answer them the way you wanted, they would have been nailed to those crosses and never had the chance to do their ministry. They would have been dead before the ministry that be, was given by the Holy Spirit after Pentecost. So we've got to be careful what we ask for. Not our will be done, God's will be done. And so this is very interesting. And I don't think we think about that as much. You know, Jesus says the same thing to us when we pray. Do you know what you're asking for? Do you think about this? We need to pray, not my will be done. Your will, God, be done. And so what happens? James and John, when he asks them, can you drink this cup? What does he mean? The suffering he's about to endure. And the answer, we can. It's kind of like a couple at a wedding. 
When they say for better or for worse, what does the couple say? I do or I will. And those couples don't know what they're asking because they end up in divorce often. If they truly knew what they were asking for, for better or for worse, we wouldn't have a 50% divorce rate in the Catholic Church. It's because some enter into marriage thinking, well, I'll give this a try. If it doesn't work, I'll just get a divorce. And so I said before, I had no idea what I was asking for when I asked to study for the priesthood. When I felt the call of God asking me to be a priest, I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea what I was asking for. But Jesus was patient. He was patient with James and John like he was with me. Nobody knows everything it'll entail to serve the Lord. I mean, I had no idea when I said yes to come study for the priesthood all that it would entail probably a good thing. I probably would have ran away scared. And so here we see the number, or um, I'm sorry, the mother um, of James and John. She wanted the best for her kids. Now this is interesting because mothers always want to get involved, right? God bless them. It's their nature. Um, so she thought she was asking um, for their own good. And, you know, we see in Matthew's version that we just read that the mother was asking. It might have been to save the reputation of James and John because in Mark's version, James and John asked themselves. So it's kind of funny. It's almost like Matthew threw in the mom to kind of put the little slack off of James and John to not hurt the reputation like they were the ones that were prideful, but pushed it onto the mom. And so in Mark's version, we see the human side of the apostles. We can see them asking Jesus himself that we want to be on your right and left. Well, James and John basically are showing ambition. And it's interesting because after all Jesus told them, I'm going to be scourged and crucified and I'm going to die. And here they come. What's in it for us? It's like, whoa. You know, he said, you know, he basically is telling them what's happening to him. And he's really showing them um, to teach them humility. And so Jesus said that he will, as I said, suffer and die. And here these two come asking for a favor. It's like us. We go into church, we see Christ on the cross. We don't even say, sorry, Jesus, for the sins that nailed you to that cross. But while I'm here, I need a new car. I need a new promotion at work. Um, I, I need more money. I need more money, Lord. We do exactly what James and John did, even though we, when we read it, and, and you're probably thinking, gee, Father, how, you know, kind of how prideful are James and John? <laughs> we do it all the time. We come, we come, like I said, we come into the church. We don't genuflect. We sometimes forget. We don't sit there and first meditate on our Lord's passion before we do anything else, thinking what he went through. We just jump into what we need. That's exactly what James and John did. And so, but God is patient. If apostles and saints can do it, and God forgive them, he certainly can forgive us. But just be a little wary of it. You know, but as misguided as this was, James and John, they were good. They believed, they followed Jesus. God can work with that. 
And that's the message. So James is, it's interesting because James is the first and only apostle whose martyrdom is mentioned in the New Testament. He was beheaded in 44 AD. He only had 11 years after Christ died to do all that ministry. Do you know his story? It's really interesting. Um, tradition says he was executed by Herod himself, that he was beheaded in Jerusalem. You know why? Because of his fiery temper. So even the apostles had a fiery temper. I always say, you know, look at Paul. Paul was a fiery temper. James and John, fiery temper, sons of thunder. Why would God use this? Aren't we supposed to be these meek, little, quiet, never church mice that never peep? Well, yeah, some cloistered or special vocations that God has you, but others are called to use that zeal. Paul had such zeal, he was killing Christians. And then Jesus says, I like your zeal. You're just kind of in the wrong direction. <laughs> I'm going I'm to take that zeal and point it into the right direction. And so I think this, this is important because legend has it that the angels took James's remains on a rudderless, unattended boat and it floated to Spain. That's because before that, he had labored in Spain for many years, and now his remains are Saint, at St. James de Compostela. You know that place with the great big thoroughfare that they swing? It's also the, um, the they made the movie The Way, I think it was called, or the, uh, was it The Way with, with Charlie Sheen? Not Charlie Sheen, Martin Sheen, definitely. <laughs> and. Um, you, you, you make the, uh, the pilgrimage um, across Europe. It's, it's a fascinating and spiritual experience. Uh, the El Camino, uh, the, the way that, that you walk to be able to follow um, in the footsteps of the apostles. But anyway, um, what about John, though? What happened to John? James was the first one martyred, the only one mentioned in the New Testament. But what about John? Well, he was the only one not martyred, I believe, because he was the only one who stayed at the cross. Now, what do we do know about John is that he was boiled in a huge uh, basin of boiling oil when he was in Rome, but he survived it. That's amazing, and lived to be like 100. So from him, um, we don't know a lot, but we, we do know he survived and was the only one not martyred. Now, for him, the cup... What was it then? If, if James's cup was to be martyred, what was John's cup? His cup was the constant discipline and struggle of the Christian life, day after day. He's the epitome. God allowed him to live to 100. He was in Patmos. Some say he was enslaved. He basically had to struggle every day. Now, that's you. You always hear me say, Father, people come to me, Father, there's got to be more to life than getting up every day, trying to get the kids off to school, hassling with breakfast, fighting traffic, getting to work, boss angry at me, missing my deadlines, hassling with coworkers and trying to get to the grocery store, pick up stuff for dinner, getting home, making dinner, uh, getting the kids cleaned up, helping them with their homework, getting them put to bed, fighting with my husband, paying bills, and then have to start up and do it all over again. 
That's exactly how you are sanctified. It's exactly how John. It was, it, it was the day-to-day struggle that sanctified him. Unlike the other apostles, was their martyrdom. This is a fascinating story because it is wrong to think that for Christians, the cup, to drink the cup, is always martyrdom. For John, it was just the day-to-day struggle, which all of you incur. So the cup may just be this routine, a day-to-day thing of Christian life. Well, gee, there's got to be more to life than this, Father Chris. No, that's exactly, if you are martyred, life for you is John. God has you live in the life of John with all the daily sacrifices and struggles. You know, for the saints, basically, it's not that they accomplish great things, but they are faithful in the small things. Remember the gospel? When the owner of the vineyard comes back and says, well done, because you were faithful in the small things. So to finish, I think it's important. The last part I wanted to mention was, why did Jesus say that the final decision was not his, but belongs to the Father. Wasn't Jesus God? Why, why would Jesus say this? Well, while Christ lived a human life, he did not claim any rights as God. Even though he was, he always obeyed. And for us, obedience to the church is obedience to God. It's about service. How can we serve the church our brothers, and most of all, God. You know, I don't understand why there's such hatred for what the church teaches, church teaching. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, we have some stupid people in the church. I'm one of them. But there's hatred just for the church teaching because it says life is sacred or that marriage is between a man and a woman, and there's hatred for that. So, as I said, in Jesus' kingdom, The great person is the person who is the servant. You know what the official title of the Pope is? The servant of the servants of God. The Pope, the servant of the servants of God. So bottom line, in your daily cup, I think this is the message here. If you are serving, you are being most like Christ. This is important especially if you accept the cross that you're put upon, the daily cross. That is what Jesus was trying to prepare James and John for. They each got a cross. They're just a little different. James was martyrdom. John was the daily struggles of life. We will all get one or the other. So what we do with that cross will determine if we enter into eternal life, like the good thief and the bad thief. The good thief repented, turned to Jesus, he will have eternal life. The bad thief didn't care, neglected, basically mocked Christ. He will not have eternal life. The choice is easy. The yoke is easy. The burden is light. It's just up to us if we ask Christ to carry it with us. I think that's the message of the gospel. So let us take that and live it, because most of all, 
We do have daily struggles. I, I, I did want to say one last thing. We, tonight on EWTM, we'll be doing a show on addiction. Maybe your daily cross is addiction. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever it might be. We'll have James Wahlberg back one more time to talk about his struggle with addiction. That is a huge daily cross. That is a giant daily cross. But never give up hope. Never. As Jimmy Valvano used to say, that quote from NC State, never give up, never, never give up. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.